Hello and good morning, evening or afternoon, depending on when you are tuning into this latest episode of Edie's Sussy Talks. These are our one-on-one -on -one now audio interviews designed to keep us feeling a bit more connected to the sustainability conversation across the world. And yeah, it really is an international call today. So from my home office in West Sussex in the UK, um, I have Megan Willis from Unilever on the phone all the way from Singapore. Um, and she is the head of sustainable sourcing for naturals. So Megan, thank you very much for taking the time. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here and great to have the opportunity to talk about Awa by Magnum. Yeah, as you mentioned, we're here yeah, to talk about sustainable sourcing in Magnum, the ice cream um, mm -hmm. brand, which is yeah in interesting for me because who doesn't love chocolate and interesting exactly. for everyone else because who doesn't love sustainable sourcing? Um, so for this, I always like to start with an introduction to the interviewee. So, Megan, it'd be great to hear a little bit more about your background yeah. and what you're focusing on at the moment in your role. Sure. So I've had a really diverse career so far that's afforded me a variety of perspectives, but everything really rests squarely under a consistent theme of sustainable agriculture and rural economic development. I'm particularly passionate about smallholder farmers and have been really lucky to consistently hold roles that focus on this sector of agriculture. So I got my start as a U.S. Peace Corps volunteer, where I actually lived in a remote village in Tonga in the South Pacific, where agriculture really was the primary source of income. And that foundation really set a course for the next almost 20 years now, uh, where I've worked at nearly every node of the sustainable sourcing ecosystem, I would say. I've been with a microfinance NGO, a consulting firm, major donor, gover government donor, an ag tech startup, a trading house, and now Unilever. Everything comes together very nicely in my role here, where I lead our global strategy for living income, and I manage several portfolios of smallholder-led crops, including cocoa. So it's exciting to be working for a consumer-facing company now. This is the first time, and this is a whole new level of influence and amplification of the work that's really so important to me. Great. Well, I'm happy to have you on the phone and yeah, think about all parts of this this ecosystem. And as as you mentioned, there's many moving parts um, in this. And we've spoken yep. to other people in in Unilever working mm -hmm. on yeah sustainability strategy, maybe climate, maybe carbon, yep. and also sourcing and procurement. Mm -hmm. um, so how how do you work with those teams? Because we all know that this can't happen in a silo yep. or, or by one person. That's exactly right. Really, no one can do a, do it alone. And all of these topics are very interconnected. Um, what's a pleasure about working with the teams at Unilever is that sustainability really is embraced as part of everyone's role. So it just really feels natural to bring all of these topics together and to work together on these things, you know, and given that it's something I'm so passionate about, it's great to find that shared excitement on other teams, you know, such as procurement and to be able to collaborate with them rather than being, you know, perhaps a side project or something I'm dragging them along on. Absolutely not the case here. On top of that, what makes my role really interesting is that I look at cocoa as an ingredient and a lot of sustainability work at that level tends to really be in the background, a bit hidden, right? And so it's such an exciting opportunity to be able to, to really work directly with brands such as Magnum and have that consumer facing view, right? And to really bring this work out front and connect it to consumers. Great, and I, I know that it's Magnum that we're going to be focusing 
um, on on today and you mentioned in your introduction our by Magnum mm -hmm. um, so from what I understand about this scheme it's it's like a new updated broader program to support mm -hmm. the women working in these cocoa supply chains who yep. as you mentioned are sometimes in in the background and we don't mm -hmm. know what to do with this yep. um, so I'd love to hear more about that so it's mentioned that it's new, it's broader. So mm -hmm. what was Magnum doing in this area yep. before and how is this this program a little bit different, the next stage? Yeah, so Awabai Magnum is a program developed to socially and economically empower the women of cocoa farming communities, as you just said, specifically in Cote d'Ivoire, where Magnum produces much of the cocoa that goes into its cracking chocolate, I think is, you know, the coating on the ice cream that we all love that delightful, <laughs> that delightful feeling. Um, Magnum's goal is to empower 5,000 women by 2025, and that is part of a long-term commitment, which is a 25 million euro fund to fund wider cocoa impact programs. So what's been going on the past couple of years is, is a women's empowerment program that, that really has two main components. It's a village savings and loan association program, which is run by our partner, Care International. And this is a methodology that was developed in the early 90s that really allows community-led finance and it allows women and others, it does tend to be mostly women, um, to save in very small increments. Really, what can they manage to save each week? They come together in meetings you know, with a group of other women that have a governance structure. They make decisions together right, about how that money gets spent. Women can take small loans from that fund. They can take their own savings back out. They really have a lot of optionality. Once those are up and running, which takes about 12 to 15 months typically, women are typically a bit more financially savvy by that point. And this is where 100 Weeks comes in, our other NGO partner. And what they've done is they've come in with an unconditional cash transfer. It's about eight euros a week and it gets paid out via a digital a digital payment um, to a to a SIM card. And we found really amazing success in this in this program over the past couple of years. You know, a couple of examples we're getting the impact data now is that more children can attend school thanks to the financial security that the program offers. Um, members of the program are seeing about 12 times more savings than the benchmark in Cote d'Ivoire, and almost three quarters of the current participants, which is 198, um, that's the full set, and about three quarters of them have expanded into income generating activities compared to, to before the program began. So now what we're looking at is, is not necessarily a drastically different program. It's really a scale up. It's an upscaling. You know, we do feel like we've hit on a model that works well, has impact, and now we take it further. Another 400 women are going to join the program. I guess I shouldn't say women. It could be, you know, men are, are able to join the program, but another 400 participants will join the program by the end of the year. So you can see that it's, it's really starting to take off now. And I've I've read a bit about this. Some people might be listening and think like, why why women? Why prioritize yeah. um, women? So what role right. do women play in like the cocoa supply chain? Yeah, women play a huge role in agriculture in general, and and cocoa is is no exception. 
They're huge players. They tend to do a lot of the labor. I've read estimates that it can be as high as 75% of the labor in some parts of the world and some, some supply chains. But we have to remember that in a lot of places, they do not own land. You know, they're not allowed to own land. And they are often not the ones that physically transact and receive payment for their goods, you know, cocoa beans in this case. You'll find that they're often not the registered farmer. I say that with air quotes. Um, that that tends to be a system with a cooperative or with, with a supply chain, which then means that they may not have access to training, inputs, or other programs that might reach farmers. And research also shows that women and girls, on average, do earn less, they save less, and they are living in poverty more than men. So I say, why women? <laughs> because we really do need to help make the invisible more visible and, and level the playing field for women. So by supporting them, like such as through this campaign by Magnum, our impact really does go further. You know, we do want women to be able to earn additional money that they can invest in their farm or use to start a new business. So this is all part of our investment in training, financial literacy and economic empowerment that I spoke about before. That makes sense, definitely. And I wanted to get a feel on how you can work with with those women when you've got supply chains that, mm -hmm. that are abroad. So I'm calling you in Singapore. You mentioned that a lot of cocoa um, is is produced yeah in the Ivory Coast mm -hmm. um, region. I also know that obviously visiting in-site supply chains has been complicated over the past two two years. Yep, so how do sure. you work directly with cocoa suppliers? Mm -hmm. Is that is it that there's a digital solution? Mm -hmm. Is it partnership? How yep. often do you need an in-person site visit? Mm -hmm. It's a combination of all of it, to be honest. So the power of partnerships is huge here, right? Unilever does have a couple of team members on the ground, um, but they have a very wide scope, of course. So you do depend on your NGO partners who are really there, right? They're out there. They often have staff who are from the areas where we're working. So you do have that in-person presence and it, it really can't be replaced by digital, but we do have very key digital systems. You know, I can give, for example, traceability, right? That's a major means of achieving supply chain transparency. This links IDs of farmers, information about them to the actual volume that passes through the supply chain. Payments is another, you know, case where this is this is really key. And, and this came out particularly in the pandemic. Um, the importance of digital payments and being able to make those uh, when you can't get out and deliver cash to everybody, right? So in this program, digital payments are made through the local telecom, MTN. Uh, the women get registered. Um, they sign a consent form. They receive a phone and a SIM card if they don't already have one. No bank account is needed, um, and then they can receive those those payments. So, so digital does play a really important role, but that in-person presence is is key. So, our NGOs typically, when a program is being set up, will visit the villages or the areas on a weekly basis. Once things are going, maybe more like monthly, but there always is a local contact who can be reached at any time 
by the group promoter or coach, as we call them, of these women's groups. Um, and then, like I said, from the Unilever side, we do have a small team in country. We tend to visit all of our projects quarterly unless there are special events such as the graduation ceremony in August that people may have seen in the media. You know, of course, if we're in the same geographic area anyway, for another reason, we may stop by. Okay. And I understand that we talked about how these kind of partnerships and that approach really helps with um, um, with things like financial empowerment. Um, how does that help with yeah, making the sourcing of commodities more environmentally sustainable, which is something that most of our listeners focus on? Yeah, I mean, I think it, it is all very local sourcing. Right. And the, those partnerships on the ground do allow us to do as much in country as possible. And then they can also focus on the issues. You know, there are certain environmental topics that come up in COCO. Um, one that you might hear about is deforestation. Um, and we can work through those partners to tackle those issues. They can they can help us understand what is the situation. Digital also plays a role in that as well. Um, and, and, you know, really part of this program as well, it does have an element of reforestation, for example, um, that there's a major going to be a major campaign to reforest and to plant native species. So that's one way that we use the power of partnerships to, to tackle environmental issues as well. Got it. And yeah, partnerships and collaboration is something that I'm asked about at almost all of our events online right. and in person. Um, I know we're running short of time on this mm -hmm. call, Megan, but I'd love to just get your advice as someone that's been through this mm -hmm. to advice on yeah, launching or improving partnerships mm -hmm. with with um, an approach to yeah, financial empowerment, sustainable mm -hmm. sourcing. My key piece of advice would be don't reinvent the wheel um, and to really trust the expertise that lies in your partners, right? We all have a comparative advantage. We all bring something to the table. And while, while someone may have a very clear goal, you know, such as the Magnum campaign, 5,000 women empowered by 2025, the how you get there should really be open for collaboration and should really rely on work that has been done on the past, in the past already uh, what are the learnings? What are the insights from that work? Bring it to the table as much as possible and really just trust, you know, it needs to be mutual trust, but really trust that expertise from your partners. Thank you so much. And yeah, as I mentioned, I know we're coming to the end of our call, but thank you very much for that top tip. And I hope to hear more from Magnum in the future. Um, so thank you very much for your time on Susty Talk today, Megan. Great. Thank you so much, Sarah. It was great to be here.